Welcome to our show, Conversation with Priya. Welcome in 2021 as well. And Happy New Year for all our audience and who has been supporting in uh, 2020. Thank you for joining in today. And today, our guest is a very special woman, Miss Sha Shalini Warrior. Swarier has over 28 years of banking experience. Prior to joining Federal Bank, she worked with the Standard Charter Bank, a leading multinational bank. She handled multiple disciplines there across various geographic and the included Indian, Brewery, Indonesia, Singapore, and United Arab Emirates. She brings first-hand global experience in branch banking, process management, service quality, and client experience, project management operations, technology, and compliance with the special emphasis on client due diligence and anti-money laundering. Ms. Shalini Warrior is a member of the Institute of Chartered Accountants of India and stood first at the All India level in 1989. She is also a certified associate of Indian Institute of Bankers. She has represented the bank at various fintech ad technology platforms in India and abroad. So today, help me to welcome Shalini Warrior. Hello and welcome to our show. Today our guest is Shalini Wari. Um, looking forward, ma'am, for uh, taking you on board and uh, hearing some things from your experience. Um, thank you for joining and taking a, accepting our request. Uh, would you like to say something about your uh, whole journey of your career and how you reached to this position, please? Um, thank you very much, um, Priya, and um, uh, hello to everybody. Oh, happy New Year to everybody, and I hope everybody is keeping safe and sound. Um, a little bit about myself and a little bit about federal uh, before we get into the kind of meat of the questions. Um, as uh, Priya mentioned, my name is Shalini Warrior. I'm currently an executive director with Federal Bank, a leading private sector bank in India. I've been with Federal Bank for about five years, uh, prior to which I worked with uh, an international bank called Standard Chartered Bank for 25 years. Yeah. In Standard Chartered Bank, I played various roles. Um, I was in India, and then I went into various um, international assignments, uh, Brunei, Indonesia, Singapore, and uh, UAE. About uh, five years back, um, you know, this urge to come back to India and do something in the Indian banking industry hit me, and an opportunity came up in the form of joining Federal Bank, and that's how I'm here now with Federal Bank. Uh, currently, my role in Federal Bank, I cover operations, technology, um, you know, digital, retail banking. I've got a spectrum of things that I oversee in my role in Federal Bank. As I mentioned, Federal Bank is a leading private sector bank in India, 1,280-odd branches across the length and breadth of the country. Uh, we pride ourselves on the fact that, um, you know, digital is a very large chunk of what we offer to our customers. Yeah. But we complement that with a very strong relationship management ethic and a relationship management focus. So this combination of digital and human is what we deliver to the customers. We offer all banking services um, across um, retail individuals, uh, small and medium enterprises, commercial banking, corporate banking, the entire suite of services. Of course. Um, we are probably around fifth or sixth in the country from a private sector bank perspective. Um, so that's really what uh, a little bit about myself and a little bit about federal. 
Great, great to hear. Um, yeah, of course, like I've been following up it for a while and we have seen a couple of your footprints on the digital space. And of course, uh, you, your work area is quite vast. Um, Federal Bank has been one of the pioneer in terms of technology adoption in the banking sector. What have been the reason for this and what are your future plans? Um, so I think um, there are two parts to your question. Uh, the reason why uh, you know technology is such an ingredient in what we do and how we've been successful in that adoption and some of our future plans. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, um, from a technology perspective, I would widen it a little bit and say it's not just technology, but I think it's the entire ethos and philosophy of digital and digital banking. And the reason why this is such a ingredient, uh, such a critical ingredient in our journey. Um, is uh, it starts off with the fact that very very high level of senior management attention and um, you know focus on this. Mm-hmm. We've got huge sponsorship from the uh, from the board of directors, from the managing director, from the senior management team, and that is evident in the form that um, you know about four years back, uh, before digital became kind of the in thing itself, yeah. just about four years back, we actually carved out digital banking and created a separate business vertical for digital banking. It is not part of technology. It is not part of retail products. It is actually a vertical by itself, which denotes, um, you know, from a from a real focus and attention. It has, you know, the unit has a set of metrics that they need to deliver on. They work with technology. They work with the product team. They work with the distribution teams. But they have a set of deliverables, and they become the literally the heart and soul of digital for the bank as a whole. So I think that is one of the key reasons why we are successful from a digital standpoint. Um, The other is I think we have to accept the fact that India has a very supportive ecosystem overall from a digital perspective, whether it is some of the interventions from the regulator like Reserve Bank of India, whether it is the whole aspect of how Aadhaar, our national identity was created over a span of about five or six years and has proved to be a very critical ingredient in our digital journey. So there are various interventions that have been done by the regulators. So this uh, senior management attention plus a supportive ecosystem coming together has been one of the key reasons why Federal Bank um, has been in the forefront from a technology perspective. From a future plan, sorry, Priya. Yeah, yeah, please go on, yeah. So I think from a future plan perspective, um, clearly we are keen to make sure that digital is continues to be at the center of everything that we do. Um, we are driving more and more to making sure that we get concrete business benefits out of digital. So, you know, there is a certain level of digitization that we would do from an innovation perspective, from an experimentation perspective. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But at the core of it, we need to deliver more and more in terms of actual business benefits. How does how is it contributing to an increased return on assets? How is it contributing to an increased return on um, in uh, return on equity? These are some of the metrics that we are driving our digital towards. So towards that end, most of our plans are around one digital migration. How do we make sure customers no longer come to the branch or need to come to the branch to do a transaction? They can do it on digital. That's one. Yeah. The other is um, you know tie-ups with uh, fintech partners. Um, and there are quite a few of them in India that we work with. These fintech partners help us in the fact that they understand some of the customer needs. They understand uh, how to make it kind of really very, um, you know, unique and, um, you know, convenient from a customer standpoint. While we provide the banking expertise, we provide the 
um, technology, etc. So the coming together of all these makes these partnerships, um, you know, quite uh, lucrative for the bank as well as for the customer and the partner. So delivering more digital migration, tying up with more and more fintech partners in various areas of the business, generally just making life much easier from a customer standpoint, whether it is at the point of onboarding or on an ongoing basis, yeah. is um, you know at the core of what we're going to what we will be delivering in the next few years. Very interesting. I mean, my background is fintech, so I'm always keen okay. to know what's happening. Yeah. I've been working in industry okay. for many, many years, uh, fintech okay. industry. Okay. Um, I came Australia due to fintech industry, so okay. that was my transfer. So I'm always keen what is happening in this space, and that's what excited me of your whole profile when I looked at. Um, mm. A very interesting factor you bring that that community is in the center. The, the matter you are thinking, no matter what you are doing, even if it is digital or non-digital or fintech, uh, community, community is in the center. And that's really very important these days in the banking yeah. sector to yes. build, keep going that trust factor uh, yeah. amongst the overall audience who are our consumers who are actually yeah. utilizing our services, isn't it? Yes, yes, absolutely, I agree. So the banking sector is a, is witnessing a new paradigm after the COVID-19 technologies like fintechs are becoming even more important. Could you share with us your insights on how the future of banking will be and how what do you do bank needs to stay fit and profitable? Um, absolutely. So I think um, no conversation can be held without uh, COVID uh, kind of finding some center stage on it. But yeah. that is, you know, we've uh, gone through 2020 with that. Some parts of 2021 will also get kind of impacted by it. But I think from a banking perspective, and I can speak to uh, banking in India, I'll definitely just borrow from something that, uh, you know, one of my bosses has been talking about and we have been, you know, working on within the bank, uh, within Federal Bank. So the way we see banking is, I think there are three aspects we, we see banking will become contactless, has become contactless, will continue to become more and more contactless. So contactless is one scheme of things. Yeah. The second is um, saturation, uh, and I'll come to that in a minute, saturation, which is, you know, little smaller modules of things. That's the second theme. And the third theme is um, uh, what we call bespokeization or uh, some amount of customization. So I'll just talk about the three very quickly. The first yeah. is contactless. Um, clearly, contactless is the way of the future. Yeah. And, um, you know, customers are demanding it. Customers are wanting it. Yeah. They, you know, there are apprehensions about contact, et cetera. And so, you know, we've been doing a lot of work on it. Um, for example, you know, we uh, we launched contactless cards where you just mm -hmm. tap and go and therefore you don't have to touch yeah. the uh, pin pad. You don't have to touch anything. And recently the regulator was also conscious of this and raised the limit on contactless uh, by two and a half times, literally. So, yeah. you know, because now the risk profile is well understood, et cetera. So contactless uh, from a customer standpoint is the focus. We've actually also moved beyond that to say contactless from an employee perspective. So mm -hmm. when you do authentication, um, so, you know, uh, typically we used to have people having to log into the system by doing their user ID, password and um, fingerprint. That yeah. used to be the profile that we had. But with COVID, et cetera, we realized there were risks. People were, you know, to, simple things. Like if you wear a glove, it may not recognize it. People will have to remove the gloves. So our frontline was finding it difficult. We mm -hmm. recently launched a new way of authenticating our employees, which is face authentication, mm -hmm. completely contactless, um, but completely safe and secure. 
So, so contactless as a theme for customers as well as employees is one theme of which banking is going forward with. The second theme that I speak about is what we call statutization. Um, uh, you are probably too young, but uh, younger, uh, you know, slightly older generation might remember years back uh, in India. You know, these small shampoo packets became very, very popular, uh, particularly in the rural areas where, yeah. you know, from affordability and convenience standpoint, you used to get small packets of shampoo, yeah, just okay. sufficient for one wash, and mm -hmm. you know, the FMCG industry picked that up and. Today, you get saturation on virtually everything in the FMCG yeah. industry. Banking is also moving to a lot of saturation. I think the COVID pandemic has realized people are probably not willing to make kind of longer, longer, larger value investments. They mm -hmm. want to start with small. So, yeah. you know, systematic investment plans, for example, in mutual funds, etc. The ticket sizes have come down. People want ease and convenience of being able to invest a small sum of money, $10, $30, every month rather than you know going for an investment of two thousand dollars three thousand dollars very interesting um, you know people are taking smaller sized uh, loans uh, so they're coming in for loans which are small value loans to buy an immediate deliverable etc so saturation or the ability to deliver things in small units has become important and what's important to note in that is um, you cannot afford a cost model which is you know, large in that case, because you have to right. deliver this in a form and fashion, which is easy, convenient, right. quick, quick and digital. Otherwise, mm -hmm. the cost dynamics and the customer convenience get impacted. So sanitization is the second kind of theme. And the third theme is uh, more for our high net worth individual customers, etc. They are demanding more and more of what we call bespokeization or customization at theirs. They want to be recognized as the power of one rather than a number on the system, they want to be recognized for their own individual self. And this is for the high net worth individuals. Yeah. So, you know, we've, uh, in the last few months, we've launched a program for just that kind of profile of customers, mm -hmm. which is very unique in that it really recognizes each individual's needs and has a bouquet of offerings for that need. So, you know, very uh, so it's kind of a lot of customization. So the future of banking really in our view Will be around these themes of contactless, saturation, bespokeization, and to be fit and profitable, which is part of what you asked, you have to make sure that you deliver these with uh, cost dynamics that you know the PNL can bear. Otherwise, yeah. if you kind of blow up on the cost front, um, you know you will never be prof profitable as an organization. Yeah. That's really where we see the banking industry going, um, and you know we in Federal Bank are doing various steps to meet these customer needs. Very interesting. So um, you are actually targeting all shape and size of the consumers. You know, the customer want to reach you out, they, you have the solution for that. If I'll say yes, the absolutely. Yeah. So yes, absolutely. Very interesting. Banking operation in India are totally different from those in other countries. Could you tell us about your experience in different countries? Yeah, so I think, as I mentioned at the start, I have worked across various geographies, um, yeah. you know, India, obviously, and then I moved to the southeast side of things, Brunei, Indonesia, um, Singapore for some time, and then I was in the Middle East, um, I was based out of Dubai, but I was yeah. actually managing, um, you know, I was managing some part of our business for Africa, as well as for the Middle East, so yes, I have some perspective. But you're yeah. right, I think banking in India is completely uh, unique and different, and I'll tell you why I believe that is there. So I first look at it from a consumer standpoint. I think based on my experience with all the countries I've worked with, um, the Indian consumer is uh, much more aware 
and much more demanding. Mm. Obviously, the demographics are such that they're becoming younger and younger. I mean, India yeah. is a much younger uh, thing, so the population is becoming younger. So they, they literally, what our customers are demanding is, even from a banking kind of perspective, they're demanding an experience which is like an Uber or a Zomato, or you know, they want that kind, or an Amazon, you know, frictionless, uh, reliant, um, you know, self-serving with no interventions, etc. So they need the safety and security of banking, but they need the experience of an Amazon or the experience of a, yeah. a Zomato or an Uber. So th that's so the consumer kind of you know pressure on banks is the highest I feel in India when compared to what some of the work I've done in other countries. And it's a very interesting challenge to keep kind yeah. of delivering to the customer need. The other is uh, from a bank perspective, I think um, I clearly see, and um, you know, this is a reflection probably of India's, um, you know, being such a powerhouse from a technology standpoint. I think the access to technology for banks in India is much higher than what I've seen in my experience with some of the other countries. Yeah. You know, whether it is a cloud where you have so many options, whether it is machine learning, whether it's data analytics, whether it's robotic process automation, you name it, you have all of these technologies available in India and available at literally kind of your doorstep. You know, it's up to you as yeah. a bank to see which one you use it. So, you know, the availability of technology and keeping pace with that technology is another kind of aspect of banking, which is different in India. Last but not never the, uh, not the least, definitely, is the whole um, uh, ecosystem that I referred to. The regulator, for example, Reserve Bank of India, has been at the forefront of bringing out a lot of changes from an innovation perspective. Mm. They've recently constituted an innovation hub where they're yeah. willing to experiment on various technology. Mm. You look at the payments landscape. India is probably the only country with a payment landscape where from large uh, payments uh, under the RTGS real-time gross settlement to the national electronic fund transfer to you know immediate payments, all of them are available 24 by 7 now. Yeah. You can make any of these payments 24 by 7. So between the customer and the kind of profile of the customer, between that access to technology and the framework, the ecosystem, which is very, very um, appreciative and, um, you know, suitable for banks like us, I think banking in India is at the, at you know, has been a very advantaged in my view, when compared to some of my experience with the other countries. Yeah, very interesting. And um, I have noticed that uh, I mean, when since you mentioned the younger generation, and in India is the youngest country in the world, we all know that. And World World Bank has already identified like most of the people are under forty two years old, and the demands and the awareness is very high, and um, for sure. But did you see that most of the younger generation they are not hesitant to put their data on anywhere, everywhere, same as you mentioned at the Amazon and Google Pay and yes. all that, and. Is it causing a lot of security issue and is causing too much effort for the banks to maintain the security as at higher risk? <laughs> yeah, so I think um, uh, Priya, again, a very, very important question. As uh, you know, as we kind of emphasize more and more of digitization, there is obviously this concern from a privacy standpoint, security standpoint, et cetera. So it's obviously center table. It's an agenda item for uh, senior management of not just my bank, but all banks as well yeah. as the regulator. So I can only refer to what we as a bank are doing. Um, at the first end of it is, I think at the core of it is customer education in my view. Yeah. Uh, particularly when it comes to banking transactions, uh, we spend a lot of time 
kind of just educating customers on basic disciplines of digital transactions. Yeah. What is it that they should do? What is it that they should not do? So mm. there is a whole host of education that we have invested in and we continue to invest, whether it's in the form of flyers, snippets on the videos. Um, we continually communicate with customers on the do's and don'ts from a digital standpoint. What is it that yeah. they should uh, do. In addition to that, we've obviously, um, you know, plugged in a lot of tools and techniques that help customers. And I'll give you a couple of examples on that. Um, if you take our mobile banking, and it's a very, very popular mobile banking, the country is very mobile friendly, as you know, yeah. you know, everybody yeah. has a smartphone, everybody has access to 4G. So mobile banking is, I think, in fact, it's overtaking usage of internet banking by, uh, yeah. by a mile and more. So in mobile banking, uh, again, susceptible to a lot of risks, et cetera, if we don't take care of it, we are probably one of the only banks in India that have actually invested in an IBM technology called Trustier, mm -hmm. which is inbuilt into our mobile banking proposition sure. and which ensures authentication of the customer, the SIM card from where the customer is accessing mobile banking and a range of other protocols. So the use of Trustier is um, kind of a tool that we've invested in to give customers the confidence that, you know, if they're dealing with us through mobile banking, they can be sure there is safety out there. In addition to that, we use two-factor authentication. Um, we also enable customers to actually switch on and switch off their debit card, for example, on the mobile banking, literally via button. If you're, for example, you're not using your debit card and debit cards are always susceptible to fraud, uh, the debit cards are always susceptible to be hacked yeah. and compromised, et cetera, you can just go into your mobile banking and switch it off. You can, mm. um, uh, you know, when you want to use it, you can just switch it on, it gets on, you use it, you put it back off. So that's a huge tool and we encourage customers to use that extensively to say that you just need it at the point of transaction. If you're doing an online purchase, keep it off. But when you're on that online, um, uh, uh, just a click, it's just one click, you know, and just yeah. do it. Thanks. So, you know, tools and techniques of this kind, along with this underpinning philosophy of customer education has helped us. And, yeah. you, know, our, uh, you know, I'm proud to say that federal banks' fraud rates have been materially lower or loss rates have been materially lower than the industry in this regard. Um, is the journey over? No, this is a continuous journey. It's always a challenge to keep yourself three steps ahead of fraudsters uh, who are quite intelligent and finding new ways to do things. So we continually um, kind of, um, you know, invest in the thing. We have a literally separate teams of people whose only occupation is, you know, doing uh, things like ethical hacking and other stuff to make sure that there are no vulnerabilities. So yes, safety and security is a big element of our lives. Um, you know, it is literally the other side of the coin of digitization. You cannot have one without the other. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I remember I worked in fraud management area. Um, oh, okay. I worked for the bank here, and it was more of um, identifying the bank within thirty milliseconds. You know, because you have to transact within hundred milliseconds. We do not talk about in seconds. We talk about milliseconds. Yes. So when we are yes. identifying in that milliseconds. And the way the criminology is going on, the cyber crime and all is going on, it's there is always a new way. Thousands and thousands of rules we are writing and you know, identifying those fraud. And heads up to the tech, fintech companies and the banks also putting all that effort. They have like a full research team. Um, and you guys yes. are working and actually handling those things, especially when it is a global market. You don't know what kind of a currency and what kind of a transaction Absolutely. is happening overnight and over yes. a minute. Yes. 
expectation from the consumer is also increased that we, when I'm sending money from here, it should reach immediately within half an yes, hour to India. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's uh, speed is really in last uh, like one decade, two decades. It's amazing improvement we yeah. have seen in this speed of transaction. Uh, it's a good thing about speed and accuracy. Um, you know, you said half an hour. Actually, today, you know, consumers are expecting instant um, payments, you know. So yeah. we do a lot of uh, cross-border remittances. Uh, Federal Bank um, has a very high market share on cross-border remittances. Nearly 17% of India's cross-border remittances wow. are processed by Federal Bank. So we kind of say this to our partners in the Middle East, as well as in, you know, places like the US, Canada, even if, um, you know, Singapore, etc., what we tell them is if a customer um, is making a physical payment at that end, so he's walking in into a branch um, of a remittance partner, yeah. he gives the money at the counter, completes the transaction, and before he leaves and you know gets out of the door of that um, branch, the money would have been credited to the beneficiary in India, and yeah. both the remitter and the beneficiary would have got an SMS uh, stating, you know, both of you can be safe and sound, the money has reached the beneficiary. Very that's the speed at which we do it. Um, and that's obviously enabled by technology like API banking. We have, um, you know, connects on API banking with all our partners, plus helped by, you know, uh, the 24 by 7 methodologies that um, our National Payments Corporation of India has invested in. So a combination of that. So even before you leave the counter, you get a message saying your remittance has reached the beneficiary. So there's no luxury of 30 minutes also, Priya. Yeah, no, I can imagine. And I, it's also very interesting to see the the way the clearance um, organization there has worked out to yes. build this whole international remittance yes. and it's a whole international money transaction is actually uh, amazing. Heads up, lots of bodies involved. We, we know <laughs> how it is hard to achieve. Um, the and it's no more real near real time. It's all real time transaction people want. So near real time is history now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's very interesting to see the shift in last two decades. I have been seeing in the banking sectors. It's very amazing. Having said that, right now when we see that a lot of businesses are trying to come to Australia and so from India, from Australia, from other banks, um, other part of the world as well. As you can see, current scenario is changing and the trade partners are changing overall across the broader. How do you think federal, federal government is playing the role in that to ease the business in and getting, suppose, some, suppose somebody wants to open up a business there and wants to take a loan is there any facility for NRIs and all if they want to take Absolutely. that? Yes, um, the, the regulator and the government of India have been doing a lot of work in this area to make it um, easy and convenient, ease of doing business. They've uh, digitized a lot of the processes that need to be done to get the approvals. They've invested in a lot of single window clearances kind of thing, depending on the kind of industry, as long as it's not one of those high risk defense industry, but it is a normal consumer industry. Yeah. Yeah. You can get single window clearances. Opening of bank accounts has been made easy, getting your uh, corporate registration done. So there are a range of interventions that are done for entities mm -hmm. and for individuals. Um, in any case, India has always been very friendly from a, uh, a non-resident individual's perspective. Mm -hmm. We have a range of facilities that you can do. So for example, in Federal Bank, we do offer loans to our non-resident uh, customers. Mm -hmm. If they want to open a business in India, we do use their income sources in the in the US or in Australia or wherever they are. We use that and assess that as the basis to give them a loan in India. So either they or a family member can open a 
business in India. So generally speaking, the whole uh, in the last four five years, a lot of work has been done to ease the process, to make it more digital in nature, to mm -hmm. enable um, people to come in and invest. Each bank has a set of um, kind of schemes like we do, uh, State Bank of India does, etc. So I think it's generally become much easier to do business in India and uh, invest in it from large corporates wanting to do manufacturing to the small medium enterprises guys who want to open something more homegrown um, you know both ends i think um, yeah. and obviously for the smaller entities entity uh, for the smaller kind of enterprises the small and medium enterprises because india is a very small and medium enterprise oriented yeah. economy yeah. Uh, entrance of people like amazon and flipkart has helped you can literally the markets uh, have got blurred you don't need to really be in a mumbai or a delhi mm. you can be in any kind of small location but access the customers through um, you know through any of these uh, e-commerce um, platforms so i think the things have definitely become easier as is in in most of these cases can we do more absolutely i think uh, there will be um, you know unfortunately the pandemic may have set things back but you know uh, intention to do a lot more trade forums to do a lot more exhibitions to do a lot more I think all these intentions were there. I'm sure it'll come back to them. Uh, yeah, very interesting factor. Like I, I am hearing there are a lot of uh, UAE-based um, people want to invest outside the UAE. The country from overseas, all developed country, they want to go to the different part of the world, especially in India, uh, considering the current scenario with the China, um, current trade war with the Australia-China situation. So there are a lot of Australians are actually looking at an opportunity and opening up their ventures in the Australia. So, yes. you know, but biggest challenge is that ease of the, uh, and un understanding mm. about the whole market. So I think, um, I think, of course, as you mentioned, there is more education required in terms of that. And uh, a lot of people are aware that there is an opportunity, but they don't know how yeah. to start. Where how to use it, yeah. You know? Which is and where I think, I think things like trade forums, trade fairs, uh, all of this could help. Um, and I think, uh, you know, we'll see, a uh, we'll see a resurrection of these once this COVID pandemic period is over, yeah. Yeah, very interesting. That we, uh, we would be looking forward because we have a lot of questions coming up, these kind sure. of things when it comes to okay. the people who like us. Yeah. But uh, that brings to my last question. As a working woman, how do you manage to have a successful work family life balance? Okay. You know, most of the people want to know people like you and look, they look up. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the first thing is, um, you know, I must admit the work-life balance is not a term that I would like use. It's more about work-life integration. Yes. I think we should move beyond. Uh, it's not a scale that you can balance. There are there are times when you know the entire priority has to be on work because there's some crisis, God forbid, happening, or there's a major project to be delivered on, etc. There are times when absolutely something on the family front has to take predominance and, you know, we've got to be able to kind of integrate these two and work with these two together. But right. specifically, I think, um, you know, what has helped me honestly is uh, one is, um, you know, kind of uh, making sure um, have my priorities in order. So, you know, I'm pretty clear in my mind, and this is more personal for us, uh, for me as an individual, um, you know, very clear in my mind what my priorities are. I have a set of priorities at a daily level. What do I want to achieve today? I have a set of priorities at a weekly level, which I kind of recap on in the beginning of the week to say, okay, this week I want to achieve these. And I have a set of priorities, which is slightly more longer term, month, quarter, et cetera. But, you know, those priorities are very clearly there. And 
I'm a big believer in kind of jotting it down and keeping it as a ready reference, um, you know, so that it's there and uh, just for my own understanding. Yeah. And those priorities are both, um, you know, sort of priorities that I want to do on a professional front, but they're also always priorities that I want to do, time I want to set out for myself to do some reading or to do something I enjoy. So one is the prioritization and being quite, um, you know, for lack of a better term, hard-nosed about it, you know, being, I think, yes, there may be some deviations, some firefighting may happen on a certain day, maybe a system problem, or maybe, God forbid, somebody's not well. Yeah. Those are things one has to take in one course. So I think getting, being very, very focused about priorities, both immediate and long-term is clearly, uh, you know, one attribute that I use very extensively to make sure that I get my integration right between work and life. Very interesting. The other is, um, you know, seeking out a support system and uh, not being and not feeling guilty about it and not being quite shameless about it to a large extent, you know. Yeah. And I, I mean, the traditional support system has always been home, etc. And in India, yeah. I think people have been lucky because you know the, yeah. uh, you know, you've got um, access to parents, access to things. Having said yeah. that, um, you know, the support system is beyond that. Um, I'm quite shameless in saying that I seek support from, you know, uh, colleagues in the office. If there is an issue that I need to handle, which I'm not able to do, I have no issues reaching out to colleagues saying, can you just help me um, yeah. get this sorted out because I have another priority that I need to work on. Obviously, my secretary is a great support system. So I'm quite shameless in that sense about reaching out to a support system and using them. Um, and it's quite pro quo because tomorrow it could be at the other end when somebody needs help, I'm available for them at that help. So the support system is another key kind of uh, ingredient in this whole work-life integration. Uh, the other area is, um, you know, I, I honestly do make sure that I find a little uh, time for what I call networking. Mm -hmm. I don't mean networking in the older, con I mean, in the more, um, you know, getting out in the evenings or that, I think those, are, that's not really what, but I do a lot of uh, work with organizations like, um, for example, the Confederation of Indian Industry, I'm a member of that, the Kerala Management Association, I'm a member of that, a whole host of other things, which is more professional networking, which enables me to kind of refresh my mind and therefore, you know, not um, get constrained by only thinking about banking, because it opens up my horizons to Topics which, you know, you know, the change in labor codes, um, you know, something else, et cetera. So I think between, um, you know, a prioritization schedule, a support system, and this focus on networking, I have, I'm probably one of the lucky people, but I believe the work-life integration has worked very well for me. Very interesting. And I think people should think like that because, see, you can't ignore everybody, whether you live in any country, anywhere in the world. That, that is required and prioritization, yeah, I do agree. Prioritization is very important. Otherwise, you, it's very hard to balance out, is it? Yes, yes, yeah. So thank you for your time today. It was really interesting chatting with you. I'm sure people will be having a lot of questions. Um, I hope you, like, okay, they will be asking, they can ask their sure. in the chat. Um, yes. And your details will be given, the bank details will sure. be given on the bottom. Sure. And if anybody yeah. wants to reach out to the Indian space and banking loans and all, and feel free to reach out to the Fregler Bank. Thank you so yes, much. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Priya. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Wish you a great year ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for your time.